We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel and special guest today, Victor Sabatel. What's up, guys? What's going on, guys? We've got the teacher squad on on point. Yeah, I'm not a teacher, but I, I think I can try to make it, make it work. Um, obviously, we are continuing our series comparing the Nets to their division foes. Today, we got the Knicks. Vic's going to help us with that. Before we get started, though, quick reminder, you can check out the show iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and NetsRepublic.com. Also, head to Design Tree slash Off the Glass. Use a discount code OTG5 for $5 off. Got some Brooklyn Buzz tees, some other tees dropping very soon. But let's get right into the comparison. Obviously, Knicks and Nets, big talk, especially after the Nets signed KD and Kyrie, who Knicks fans expected to come there pretty much since February. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about team comparison we'll get into it with the guards to start off we got Kyrie Irving, Karis Avert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Garrett Temple, Theo Pinson, David Nwaba and Joe Harris on the Nets guard side Vic who do we have on the Knicks side on the Knicks side we got Arizona's own Kadeem Allen the Maple Mamba RJ Barrett Damian Dotson Wayne Ellington Alfred Payton Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank Nitlakina and I'm loving these nicknames. Didn't even know half of those blokes and their nicknames. But, <laughs> um, I mean, the, the New York Knicks, their guard depth, like there's a lot of guys there, but how they fit together is, it's not very coherent. We can put it that way. The, the Nets' biggest strength, you know, I, I wrote on the Hot Take Marathon um, that the guard depth is, is the Brooklyn Nets' biggest strength. And you could compare maybe against, you know, 28, 29 other teams, you know, a, a heap of other teams in the NBA. And the Nets will almost come out on top when it comes to their guard depth. Uh, and the Knicks are, are no exception to that. They've got some young guys that are unproven. You know, we saw Alfred Payton do some nice things in New Orleans. 
Dennis Smith obviously coming across in that Chris Porzingis trade. What can he become? Wayne Ellington, you know, a nice little pickup as a, as a sharp shooter. Um, and Frank Nilakina is obviously an unproven commodity. And, you know, surprised to still see him on the squad, um, to, to be honest. You know, there was obviously rumors of the Nets even getting involved for a trade for him. But uh, it's a, quite a clear tick for, for the Brooklyn Nets when it comes to the guards. Well, at least I know on the Knicks side of things, there's some hope, for, there's some cause for some optimism. Uh, a lot of what we heard for over the summer from Fizdale is that he's been working out with Dennis Smith Jr., Mitchell Robinson, and Kevin Knox. They've apparently been in and out of the gym, working out together. R.J. Barrett, Maple Mamba, Summer League wasn't really impressive. A lot of ups and downs. I'm not someone that puts a lot of merit in terms of what we see in Summer League, but I think R.J. Barrett is going to have a big future with the Knicks, particularly on the defensive side of things. Obviously, Wayne Ellington is a veteran presence. Uh, the big surprise for me and somebody who I'm really looking forward to seeing this season is Alfred Payton. We got signed him from the Pelicans. Towards the end of the season, he has something close to five triple doubles. He's somebody who's always been in injury trouble. But I think he's one of those people that is great to take a flyer on. And considering the type of depth we have at the point guard position, really excited to see what we get there. Yeah, I mean, it, on the Knicks side, there is a lot of potential there. Obviously, the Nets are more experienced, and you kind of know what you're getting, and you have that star player in Kyrie Irving and possible other stars in LeVert and Dinwiddie. But, Vic, what do you think about R.J. Barrett in this upcoming season? Do you think he'll be better as a two-guard, or could you see him playing some minutes at forward as well? I'm sure but what he brings on the defensive side of things, his ability to de defend the point guard, shooting guard, small forward, they're going to move him around. In terms of what he does on the offensive side of the ball, I think he's somebody who really needs the ball in his hands to have success. I think that you'll see him. Uh, I'm not sure he'll be a 20-point scorer. I think he'll find a way to get his shots. But defensively, he's definitely going to have an impact. And that versatility is going to help Fizdale a bunch considering the other young guys he has on the squad. Yeah, another guard question for you, Vic. You were saying you know, the excitement levels related to Alfred Payton, but... You know, is, was the acquisition of Alfred Payton, what does that mean for Dennis Smith Jr.? Obviously talking about him and, and how he's looking good in the offseason, you know, hanging out with the, the two other young guys and, and, and the coach, David Fisdale. Who would you want to see this the point guard spot solidified for? Like, who is the number one point guard by, you know, game 55 of the regular season? That's an interesting question. When you talk about Dennis Smith Jr., when you think about the kind of summer he had, for me as a Nick fan... Really excited to see him come in. I think he's going to come in with a different energy. I mean, prior to June, there was consider we were thinking that we were going to end up with Zion Wilson, uh, excuse me, Zion Williamson, or uh, the young guy from for the Grizzlies, John, John Morant. Yes, John Morant, and Dennis Smith Jr. was somebody who all of a sudden fell to the wayside after we traded from midseason. You get into the summer, Fizdale knows now that this is who he's got on his team. Same thing with Nitlakina. The rumors were out there that we were going to get traded, and nobody was really sure in terms of what we are going to see with Dennis Smith Jr. I really believe that he's putting in the time in the gym. Uh, apparently a big uh, goal that was set for Fisdale, for Fisdale set for Dennis Smith Jr. in the summer was to lose weight. So they say he's apparently hovering at 195 would be something we saw for him at NC State. Hopefully that helps him on the defensive side of things. But to answer your question, I definitely think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be the point guard for the Knicks when you look at the 50 game, 55 game mark. I think that's the guy that Fizzell puts all his faith in. What do you expect to happen with Frank this year? Do you think they'll just end up trading him or he's going to get a fair shot? I know Knicks fans, one of the only real issue they had with Fizzell was that he didn't really give Frank a fair shot last year. Do you think he'll get that in New York or he's most likely on the way out? In the very least, he's an asset. He's really, he's still very young, which is why I don't understand why people have gotten so down on him. 
I think even the expectation was when he got drafted that this was going to be a three, four-year thing. This wasn't going to be someone who's going to give you those results right away at his position. I love the fact that apparently he's gotten taller. I also know that he's a defensive stopper. He's going to find time. He's going to find minutes in the rotation. But I'm not entirely sold that Fizdale has him in the plans for the future. Early on in the season, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get minutes. I'm pretty sure the Knicks are going to, in, in any case, whether they want him to stay on the team or they're trying to market him, for, see where his value is on the trade market. I'm sure we're going to see bits and pieces of Frank. But I think he, we're going to see some of these gains that people were expecting maybe two years ago, which kind of unfair considering how young he was. But still has a ton of talent, still very young. No reason to give up on the young guy. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Frank, especially because coming into the league, like you mentioned, he was really raw. You saw the skill set, but it just wasn't developed yet. But moving on to forwards, obviously on the net side, Kevin Durant out, possibly coming back at some point in the season. Joe Harris is kind of a guard slash forward. We got Torian Prince, Rodion's Cruz, and also Wilson Chandler. Who do we got on the Knicks side, Vic? Well, Knicks fans, if you were watching Summer League, Ignis Brasdikis from Michigan really showed out. UNC's Reggie Bullock, Taj Gibson. Kevin Knox coming back, Marcus Morris, Julius Randle is a big addition, and last but not least, Bobby Crazy Eyes Portis. <laughs> he did. I love the Crazy Eyes of Bobby Portis. Um, this is where the, the New York Knicks really have their strength, uh, that four position. But no one is really a true small forward in, in this. You know, all the sort of names that Vic was rattling off there, all of them are essentially power forwards. So you're asking guys to play down, which is essentially not what it is traditional basketball these sort of days. You ask guys to play upper position and, and sort of play that sort of small ball. Um, you know, I'd like, uh, I've said before that, you know, the Nets sort of lack real high-end talent at this sort of position. But, you know, there's guys in there that I think are talented enough that they compare well against the Knicks. But I think the Knicks might probably have a, maybe a slight edge. You can certainly make the argument purely because of a guy like Julius Randle who... You know, is just an incredibly productive player. If he can find, you know, some range from the outside, which I've seen some videos of, and if he can ever become sort of, have some sort of defensive effort or capability on that on the floor, he can become a really important player. And obviously, out of these sort of guys, he's the one on the sort of long-term contract. And then, you know, Kevin Knox, what could he be? He's just still a baby um, and, and, and going forward. And Reggie Bullock is just sort of that nice sort of, you know, utility that can, you know, play some defense and, and then hit some threes. And then Bobby Portis as well. Similar sort of player to a Julius Randle, probably just a lesser version of him in a lot of ways. Um, I'll be interested to see how David Fisdale works out that rotation as well. It's just a massive glut. Um, but I do like what the Nets have. Obviously, Rodion's going into his next season. Toyin Prince, you know, we saw a stat um, from Hardwood Proxism. The fact that he has the highest effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot at 68% which is pretty ridiculous, and he's going to fit perfectly in the net system, you know, alongside Kyrie Irving. Um, and Wilson Chandler, a nice sort of backup, a nice sort of veteran presence there. But I think because of the pure sheer amount of guys, NBA-ready guys and above-average NBA-ready guys, the Knicks maybe have the tick here. Well, I'm going to go out and say, uh, I think the Knicks were uh, right now where the Nets were about three years ago. Post-Boston fleecing, you bring in a new coach, you're recognizing that you're going to have to take on some reclamation projects. And I love what I'm seeing in terms of the forwards. I love the Taj Gibson addition. I think he's going to be somebody who's going to replace what he's going to be for Mitchell Robinson, what DeAndre Jordan ended up being for him uh, midseason when they did that move. Yeah. Uh, really excited about Ignis Brasdikas. Solid career in Michigan. Still very young at 20 years old. Solid shooter. Seems to be able to defend on the perimeter. Nice size of 6'7", so he's going to bring some versatility. Knicks fans, I know there's a lot of doubt in terms of what we see with Kevin Knox, but when you bring in these younger guys, there needs to be a certain level of patience. 
That's the key word when you see the Knicks, patience. So when I think about what the Knicks are going to do this season and you think about the composition of the roster, I think additions like Taj Gibson, I think the additions of Alfred Payton, I think the addition of Julius Randle, these are all people who have come. Taj Gibson particularly is a veteran. And then some of these other younger guys who've had to fight for their spot in the league, they're going to be modeling that for the Dennis Smith Juniors, for the R.J. Barretts, for the Mitchell Robinsons. Uh, Marcus Morris is another vet who I think is going to have a strong presence. And then Bobby Portis, I love crazy eyes. Bulls fans will tell you, uh, has ability to stretch the floor. He's going to be able to defend uh, the five and the four spot. So I think he's going to give the team a lot of versatility. And in terms of wins, wins and losses, I'm not sure if you're going to see a lot of that this year from the Knicks. I don't think that this is going to be a year when we see that big jump, but I definitely going to see the, the gains and the growing from the younger players. Yeah, the forward group is really interesting, obviously, because they have such a surplus. And like you said, you know, it's it's probably a nod to the Knicks here because they have so many above average forwards. There's just so much depth there. But the really interesting thing here is like, how's Fitzdale going to hand out the minutes, especially with so many guys who are going to want to get minutes and they all kind of play a similar position. You know, some of them can get minutes at small forward, but it seems like a lot of it's going to be at power forward. And then you probably have guys like Bobby Portis and Julius Randle and Taj Gibson getting some minutes at the five too. Absolutely. And I think that's going to help in terms of the makeup of the Knicks. They don't really have any expectations going into the season. Uh, fans feel like they whiffed out on Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie. Seeing them go to Brooklyn uh, is just a different feeling in the garden. But for me, as somebody who's been watching the Knicks for the last 25 years, and I can remember the days of John Starks and Patrick Ewing in the garden and what it's been since, watching the team go about it the right way when we're just building, taking the draft picks, we're not uh, trying to get away from our assets and go after the, I mean, obviously we wanted to get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the summer, but we didn't lose anything. You know, we didn't have yeah. to trade anything. Mitchell Robinson, in my opinion, is going to be one of the best young players in basketball. I wouldn't be surprised if he's up for most improved player next year and quite possibly all first team defensively. He just has that type of potential. And they had him in the second round. So I, I really believe in what I see from Scott Perry, from Fizdale. I think they're going in the right direction. It's just about being patient. And before we get to the centers, how many of these forwards do you think will be on the team by the end of the season? Because I know a lot of the contracts are short-term, really good tradable contracts to help the Knicks probably get more assets at the deadline. If you had to make a guess, what two forwards do you think will be traded? If I had to make a guess who will be traded, Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock and uh, Bobby Portis. And I, only Bobby, I love Bobby Portis' game, but I feel like his game is so appealing in this era of the stretch four and stretch fives. His ability to stretch the floor. I think with these two-year contracts, they're going to be teams who are knocking on that door come February when they're starting to hit that playoff run, and they know they have these. They they see guys who can fill a role on their playoff roster. I think they're good picks, Jack. Who would you say? Yeah, I was probably be sad as well. I think Marcus Morris is certainly a candidate as well. Um, one thing I wanted to throw out, Vic, as well before we get to the centers. Is the priority when it comes to these four positions for you, Vic, as just a fan, obviously, is just getting the runs under a guy like Kevin Knox, under a guy like Julius Randle. Like, if, if you see Marcus Morris and, and Bobby Portis and Reggie Bullock getting, you know, 30-plus minutes a night and Kevin Knox, you know, getting 15 to 18 minutes, is that going to be a disservice to his development? Well, it depends on what part of the season we're talking about. If we're having yeah. this conversation in November, I mean, December... Probably not. I think it should be like that. I would want to see people fighting for minutes and whoever's earning it is earning it. If you're on the bench, it gives the players an opportunity to get their spot back, get some more minutes. If we're having the same conversation come February, I'd be concerned. I think Kevin Knox has to be priority, and I think Fizdale obviously knows 
he's on a short leash. Whether he likes it or not, that's been just the culture here in New York. Coaches are coming, coaches are going. He yeah. realizes that uh, his tenure and the success he has in this tenure is going to be contingent on the growth of Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, and Mitchell Robinson. So obviously I think Kevin Knox is going to be somebody who gets the, the minutes. In his Brass Deacons, I mean, he really impressed in the Summer League. It was he's right. somebody really consistent in uh, Michigan. I think he's going to be able to stretch the floor. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved him around to the four spot in certain positions against certain matchups. Really tough. I think he'll find his time into the rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if he spends a lot of time in the G League, but I obviously think that he's a young piece that they're going to look to implement going forward. Quick question before we get to centers. Who's going to have the biggest year between Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox, and R.J. Barrett? Which guy would you bank on having a big year? So I am not somebody who places a lot of value into, like, YouTube. And I I think for a lot of – for some reason, I think Dennis Smith is getting this weird rub because he's part of that YouTube generation where you've seen him kind of come up through the ranks from, yeah. like, sophomore year. And then when you saw what happened at NC State, you might not have been quite impressed with what you saw. But I really think for what's happened the last two years and what happened in Dallas, he gets to New York, and then no sooner that he's in New York, fans are crying for John Morant. I really think if he's really – from what I've seen with pictures, and I know we can't put a lot into some of the videos and pictures, but what I've seen in terms of what he's done in terms of his body and the conditioning, I think he's going to have a big year. R.J. Barrett I love. I think he's going to be somebody who's going to uh, have success. He's going to be consistent. So that jumper and the, I, in ISO ball, he's going to be great. He's going to find a way to score. He's long. If they have him at the, the two spot and he's paired with Knox, he's going to have some favorable matchups. But I really think Dennis Smith Jr. with the ball in his hand time after time, I think he's the guy we need to look out for. Yeah, I was just going to say, what I find funny is that Frank Nilekina taken in the 2017 draft pick eight, Dennis Smith Jr., rumored to go to the Knicks, taken pick nine by the Dallas Mavericks. Obviously, Neil Akina was taken um, by, by Phil Jackson to fit the sort of triangle system that he wanted to implement. But it's just funny how the NBA world works and sort of all the, the sliding doors, and now that they're both on the same team, and obviously that there was a desire from the front office that, um, that Vic sort of talked about in relation to Dennis Smith. Um, I think people are sleeping a little bit on Dennis Smith. Um, I'm not necessarily incredibly high on him. But I think RJ Barrett is cachet to the New York Knicks going into next season. You know, he's the, the marketable sort of guy, you know, the Duke sort of star. Um, we've seen some really cool sort of high videos and him being presented at the Garden. Um, I think RJ Barrett's going to have a really up and down season. Um, I think he's going to have a better rookie season than Kevin Knox, and that's not necessarily saying a lot. Um, but I think RJ Barrett will have probably the best season out of all of them because I think he'll be given the free reign to, to do the most out of all these guys. And I think that, you know, he is probably the guy with the highest upside um, out of the ones that you've said, Nick. You know, I really like Mitchell Robinson too, like Vic was alluding to earlier. But out of the guys that you mentioned, I think RJ Barrett has the highest star potential, at least right now. I'd be happy to probably, you know, eat my words when it comes to a guy like Dennis Smith Jr. But, but for me, it's RJ Barrett. RJ's got that New York swag too. He's got yeah. like that confidence to play in New York that not a lot of guys have. I think for Dennis Smith, like you've seen a lot of things that have looked great. I want to just see the jump shot. And I've heard the jump shot is looking better. That's going to be the factor for him because he's such a great athlete. He has no issue getting inside and finishing inside. It's about now our team's going to respect you at that three-point line. But let's hop over to centers. Obviously, on the net side, we got Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, Nick Claxton. Vic, who we got on the center side for the Knicks? Right now, I have Mitchell Robinson, Taj Gipton, and Bobby Portis doing double duty. See, I'm probably going here purely as the collective for the Brooklyn Nets. 
but you could make a, a really good case for Mitchell Robinson as being having the best 2019-20 season out of all these centers that we've just listed. Um, he had an incredible rookie season. Um, I, I saw a post on Facebook, I think it was, that Mitchell Robinson had you know a near similar amount of blocks to Rudy Gobert in like half the minutes. Now, um, that's, that's one thing that is a strength and a weakness of his watching him play, that he can go after it a little bit in terms of the, the blocks, but he has that ability, that length, that lateral quickness to actually do so, um, that it's just pretty incredible what he can be on the defensive side of the floor. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the partnership that he could develop with a guy, Dennis Smith Jr., could be something pretty special. Um, and I'm really intrigued to sort of see what, what he can do because he, he's a special talent, uh, especially defensively. Um, but then, you know, a guy, Jared Allen, you know, you can't have a conversation about these two centers without mentioning the other one when it comes to Knicks and Nets Twitter because, you know, Jared Allen, I think, has a more polished offensive game um, and has done more, I guess, across his, you know, a, a couple of extra years in his career. Um, but I would be, you know, remiss to say that Mitchell Robinson by the end of next season could be the better uh, prospect going forward because Jared Allen has had moments of, of growth where it's sort of been stunted a little bit. You know, he's had his moments where he's been played off the floor against uh, the likes of, you know, Enos Kantar and, and Joel Embiid and, and Nikola Jokic. Whereas I think Mitchell Robinson has a little more grit in him uh, and a little more strength in him that I think he, he relishes that sort of opportunity. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping the, the fact that the, the tables are turned and Jared Allen can be the guy going forward. Um, and I'm expecting also a revitalized season from DeAndre Jordan. I think he's going to really put in. Um, he's a rebounding machine. He's per 36-minute numbers. You know, did not drop up at all, despite the fact he saw less minutes in New York and Dallas. He's a monster. Um, and hopefully the, there's some synergy there. And, you know, there isn't like a, a, a clash of sorts because, you know, we saw the Ed Davis-Jared Allen synergy pretty nicely. Um but, you know, obviously, Jared Allen wants to start. DeAndre Jordan wants to start. Uh, that competition hopefully breeds, you know, some positive sort of com competitiveness. Um, but, yeah, Mitchell Robinson's a stud. So I'm a little surprised uh, when we talk about the Nets only because I was very taken back. I wouldn't say taken back, but watching Jared Allen play in summer league, I felt, felt like sent a clear message to the organization. And it was the idea that he's all in, he's willing to compete, and he wants a spot. As soon as I saw that DeAndre Jordan, who, I mean, as much as I feel like in the general media people might be down on him, uh, he's definitely somebody who, if he would have decided to take in more suitors in free agency, he, he would have had his pick of the litter, you know, considering the situations that you see in some of these other organizations. So I'm not entirely sure how that's going to work out. If the idea is that DeAndre Jordan starts, what does that mean for Jared Allen? In terms of the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson to me is the future. I, I, I can't believe they got him where they got him. I think five years from now, we're going to be talking about him in the same breath as we talk about Gobert. I don't want to be like big on the hyperbole here, but when I see him shoot the ball, the jump shot doesn't look broken. When I see him defend on the perimeter, he seems to be able to shift and he was able to be second in the league in blocks in 20 minutes per game. So if he's able to stay on the floor, I think he's going to be one of the best young basketball players in the league. So there's, there's when you bring up names like Anthony Davis, I know right now it seems kind of obscene because it's 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 such a stretch, but th that output in terms of what he did defensively, that's not normal. It's exceptional. And I think people who got a chance, Nick fans who were just able to watch it and through the losses, see his development and what you saw from him November when he had a breakout game, I believe against the Magic, had five blocks. And then you saw what he was able to do in like April. It, 
he's definitely the. I think he is the guy in New York now. As much as RJ is going to be the person we see on the posters, and obviously he has a certain level of polish. Came up through the Canadian Basketball League. His father's a big name. What we see, what we can get from Mitchell Robinson in terms of productivity, is not something you see in this NBA anymore. And if he's able to stay on the floor, number one, uh, stay healthy, obviously. As he gets stronger, we're going to see these rebounding numbers go up. And if he can stretch the floor, there's no reason why he can't be a top 10 basketball player in the league. Only because centers are at a premium. This is not something we see every day. Yeah, I think he has a long way to go in terms of like his offensive skill set. The blocks are definitely there. I think defensively, he still needs to have a better understanding of playing defense as a team defense. And then obviously the foul trouble was a thing last year, but he definitely has the potential to be the best center of the group next season. I, I would still lean towards the Nets because they actually have two centers where you know, the Knicks are going to have to play, you know, Gibson or Portis or Randall at center. They're going to be undersized, but Robinson definitely has a really high ceiling. It's going to be interesting to see how he develops. And then also having a veteran point guard like Alfred Payton might help him a little bit more too. Yep. Alfred Payton is definitely going to be a big piece. I'm not really too concerned in terms of what we see offensively from Mitchell Robinson. What I want to see is hopefully when we see these pick and rolls and these other and these other uh, offensive motions, when he gets it out on the perimeter, I just want to see him comfortable taking the shot. Yeah. That's all. At least from right now, he's only in his second season. He's already showing you what he needs to show you on the defensive side of things. The Knicks right now are not looking for him to be somebody who's going to be the guy offensively is going to be coming on the perimeter with Dennis Smith and RJ and Knox. Hopefully we see some big games from Knox this season. But Robinson has like a specific role. And within that role, he'll be able to have a ton of success with the Knicks. Yeah, obviously, like Jack mentioned early on, it's going to be a lot of talk about Jared Allen versus Mitchell Robinson. A lot of that's going to depend on DeAndre Jordan's role. I think Jared Allen will probably end up starting, so we'll hear a lot of talk. And if Allen doesn't start, I still think he'll probably get starter minutes. But hopefully DeAndre Jordan can mentor Allen a little bit like he mentored Robinson. So we'll see how that plays out. But getting to the coaching side, uh, Kenny Atkinson versus David Fisdale. So I think it has to go to Kenny Atkinson just purely because of the success that he has had uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, that's not to discredit, you know, what David Fisdale has done across his career. And, you know, with the New York Knicks there, at least, you know, we, in, in a similar sort of way, David Fisdale is a player's coach. You know, we've seen the passion that he has for his players um, out in Memphis as well. You know, he wants, he's all in when it comes to his players. Um, obviously, you know, the, there's a frosty sort of relationship with Frank Nilakina. Maybe that has been ironed out a little bit in the offseason. Um, but Coach Kenny has proven it. He was a coach of the year con contender, got some votes uh, last season. Um, not to say that um, David Fisdale is a poor coach in any stretch of the imagination. I think he should be with the Knicks for a long time because I think the continuity could certainly help them. I know Vic made a mention of the fact that, you know, there could even be pressure on him this season, which I think would be incredibly silly. Um, I think continuity in the coaching ranks really makes a difference. Um, so David Fisdale is a, a good coach and an accomplished coach in his own right. Uh, but Coach Kenny is, is is on the up. And, you know, he's going to have his test this season, especially with a guy like Kyrie Irving in the locker room. Uh, but Kenny Atkinson uh, has the has the edge right now. Yeah, it's Kenny Atkinson in the, la in the landslide. It's not even close. Uh, watching from afar, trying to appreciate the net situation the last couple of years, post the Boston fleecing and seeing how they've been maneuvering. And when you see the addition of Dinwiddie, who I was a fan of in Colorado, ended up tearing up his knee. Bounced around a little bit, watching him find have success there, seeing what he's been able to do with Kuru's, uh, D'Angelo Russell, who's no longer there. They were able to take on him. You saw the success he had last year. He was an all-star. Kenny Atkinson, 14 years of international basketball, has a certain level of pedigree. 
has a philosophy, knows how he wants to go about to do it, and it's all about player development. When you look at the next staff, I mean, you see names, they're littered with names of NBA players, or at least former NBA players. So you see Jacques Vaughn. I know Tiago Splitter is associated with the club, and Pablo Prigione, who used to play for the Bulls, was also with the club last year. So they definitely know what they want to do. They're going about it a certain way. The GM, Sean Marks, also has NBA experience as a player. So they know exactly what they want to do. In terms of Fisdale, I think it's very similar to what the Nets are doing, and they're putting this onus on player development. He's coming from that Riley school, so obviously is going to be an emphasis on defense. 17 and 65 was like tied for worse in franchise history and definitely worse in the NBA last year. But this is what you should expect. I mean, the first year when you look at Kenny Atkinson, 2016-2017 with the Brooklyn Nets, they went 20 and 62. So I, I don't put a ton of what we see in, t- in terms of coaching and what we saw in the first year. Uh, I think they've gotten more talent. When you look at the Knicks staff, they also are littered with former players. Royal Ivy, former Nick Howard Isley, Judd Bushel was coaching summer league, Keith Smart. So I think they recognize that they have a lot of young players. They're best, uh, they're best suited to have some other former players come around, mentor, give them some training in terms of the on the court and the off the court, and hopefully we get to build a winning culture here in New York like they did in Brooklyn. Yeah, you guys have been pretty spot on. It's almost like the Knicks want uh, Fisdale to be where Kenny's at now, and maybe he can kind of have the win increase this year, the player development with some of the younger guys, and turn some of these projects into star players moving forward. So obviously Kenny, a little bit more established at this point, but Fisdale has a great opportunity moving forward with the Knicks with a lot of young talent. But on the chemistry side, how we view these teams? Yeah, I mean, we everyone makes note of the the Brooklyn Nets chemistry. You know, it's going to rely on a guy like Kyrie Irving, who is, you know, establishing some real bonds with with his teammates in LA right now. You know, we see Toy and Prince almost just be that sort of guy who's just going to be perfect in the locker room as just a uh, a perfect sort of piece. And you know, he's been doing some of his charity stuff as well. Spencer Dinwiddie, the guy who probably was the, the the catalyst to getting Kyrie Irving. So I think there's going to be a relationship there, Kyrie Irving as well with DeAndre Jordan. You know, we know the relationship there. And Kevin Durant in the wings, despite the fact that he's not going to be playing much basketball, if any, at all next season, he's still going to be a locker room presence uh, behind the scenes. You know, a faux assistant coach, as Coach Kenny has said. Um, so I think that chemistry was one of the, the real, you know, I think that out of any team, you know, in the NBA last season, I think that alongside the Los Angeles Clippers, the Brooklyn Nets had the best chemistry in the league. And that accounted for an extra probably four or five wins. And, you know, coming back from that eight-game losing streak. You know, I think that chemistry was a, a real key indicator for why that happened. And, you know, you add in Wilson Chandler and Garrett Temple, these sort of guys, hopefully they can provide that same sort of uh, presence. For the Knicks, you know, it, it's hard to sort of project. You know, I, I like the the likes of Taj Gibson as a sort of veteran presence. You know, Bobby Portis um, has punched a teammate in the face before. So, um, <laughs> I don't know um, if, that, if he's... I hope he doesn't punch Julius Randle in the face because he's not getting enough minutes. But, you know, there's a lot of young guys on this roster, uh, as Vic has alluded to as well. So uh, there's this weird amalgamation of uh, really sort of high project sort of talent guys. But I think that they're going to... The coach uh, is going to be a real sort of catalyst for how he can sort of drive this going forward because there isn't a lot of veteran talent. You know, you look at Marcus Morris, Taj Gibson, you know, Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock. These sort of guys can provide some um, on-court and off-court chemistry um, that I think will be beneficial to the Knicks. I don't think there's going to be any real issues or any real disharmony. Um, I I think that, you know, the the Nets have a lower floor because of, you know, Kyrie Irving, essentially, but also have a higher ceiling because if if things really do click, 
you know, they could be a third seed as I predicted for OGDbasketball.com. Uh, whereas the Knicks don't necessarily, you know, have any real chemistry issues that I can think of outside of Bobby Porter's. So I'm really as much as people are excited about the Kyrie Irving addition, and I, he's a terrific basketball player. He's obviously a top five player at his position, probably top ten in the basketball overall. I, I have concerns in terms of how he's going to fit, particularly on the on the floor. When I think about the combination of Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and how that looked last year, these were people who predominantly uh, they find their success with the ball in their hands. I look at what's going to happen in Brooklyn, and I think about how he's going to fit with a Spencer Dinwiddie, and particularly a Karis LeVert, who was on fire in the beginning of the season before the injury. So I, I'm kind of interested to see how those three pieces work. Obviously, we have Prince coming off the bench. He's going to be vying for minutes. I think the ball is going to be in Kyrie's court. They obviously give him the keys to the kingdom with Ky, uh, Kevin Durant out. Uh, but I, I do have concerns in terms of how it's going to look and feel when you see the three best players on the Nets, in my opinion, who are going to end up being Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Kyrie Irving playing. Now, who is somebody going to be willing to come off the bench? I know some, at least early on when Karis uh, came back, you saw him his, his role in the rotation was changing. Is somebody going to be willing to take that back seat? Obviously, it's not going to be Kyrie Irving, but how's that going to look for the Nets? And in terms of the Nets, uh, they're all unproven commodities, so I'm wondering who's going to take the lead in terms of the lead bull in the in the locker room and on the floor. Uh, is Dennis Smith going to be the one who's getting the uh, predominant amount of shots? Is R.J. Barrett ready to be somebody who's the primary guy? Uh, Mitchell Robinson, we don't have those same expectations offensively, but we know he's going to what he's going to bring defensively. And then Kevin Knox, he was another guy who's really young, uh, long six nine. He still needs time to grow into his body. He seems to be able to stroke, even though his numbers might not speak to it. And I, and Knicks fans, obviously, because his year was underwhelming, the numbers might not speak to it. He still shows the skill set of somebody who can play on the perimeter. So we might see some big, obviously, Paul, I, for me, a frame of reference is like Paul George. And I can remember watching him sit behind a Danny Granger, watching him play in spot minutes. You started to have those questions because he wasn't somebody who was a proven commodity. He came from Fresno State. I think people see Kevin Knox. Not everybody's in love with him. Last year wasn't amazing. And going into this, this season, we don't know what type of expectations to have for him. There's very strong possibility that if he put in the time in the weight room because of what he can present physically, he might be somebody who garners a, a bulk of the shots on the offensive side of things. Uh, I know RJ is going to take his shots. Dennis Smith Jr. is another person who's coming in after working out in the summer. Uh, offensively, he needs to work on that outside shot. But the Knicks, we don't really have an idea of what it's going to look like in terms of identity. The only thing I do have take some solace in knowing, Fizdale coming from that Spolstra school of doing things, coming from that Riley school of doing things, we're going to be better defensively. That's the only thing that I'm willing to put some money down on. Otherwise, in terms of who's going to be that guy offensively and how they fit, I couldn't tell you. I can't wait to see the preseason. Yeah, I mean, you guys nailed it again. And pretty much the expectations are so much different for both teams. It almost impacts the chemistry. Obviously, people are scared about the Kyrie Irving thing. 
I'm pretty optimistic about it, especially because Kyrie's been setting up the practices like Jack has mentioned and already seems like developing a nice relationship with Karis Avert and Spencer Dinwiddie. And then on the Knicks side, there really isn't that high of expectations. The only thing you probably worry about is guys being upset about their minutes because they have such a surplus at uh, different positions, like who's going to get power forward minutes, you know, especially if a guy's trying to get traded or things along that guy, or maybe a young player is getting minutes and a vet wants those minutes. I know DeAndre Jordan wasn't super happy last year about his role, but Overall, obviously, there isn't really the expectation there for the Knicks. But moving on to the offensive side, Nets versus Knicks, who has the edge? Uh, it's, it's pretty clearly the Brooklyn Nets. They have Kyrie Irving, and I think that that is just enough to give them any sort of edge. Yes, Nets in the landslide. Obviously, the Knicks, a lot of young players. We don't know where they're going to fit. We don't know what type of identity the team is going to have. I have to give it to the Nets here. Yeah, this one, you know, pretty easy here. Obviously, the Nets have a lot more offensive talent, and they have guys that are a lot more established. Now, defensive side of the ball. Yeah, this is where it gets that little bit closer. Um, you know, you could make a, a, a pretty easy, clear argument that Mitchell Robinson might be the best defender uh, out of both of these teams. But I think as a collective, you know, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, you know, Torian Prince, who hopefully will grow into some sort of defender, uh, you know, Kyrie Irving showed some minor glimpses in a, in a really positive defensive system uh, out in Boston. John Joe Jordan, if he can get back to some semblance of actually wanting to defensively rebound and not just fill up the box score and actually move his feet a little bit in the pick and roll. Um, I think that as a collective, you probably go with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but like sort of Vic was saying, you know, with David Fisdale, um, demanding sort of excellence on that end of the floor. You know, Frank Nilekina, if he actually gets some minutes, we know he can be a good defender. He is, you know, that's there's no issue with that end of the floor for him. Um, it's just whether he can actually produce enough on the offensive side to actually garner some minutes as well, because you can't be a Tony Allen in today's day and age, unfortunately. Um, but a guy, Julius Randle, isn't a good defender. Um, and he's going to be playing some regular minutes at the four, and even at the five, it could be disastrous. RJ Barrett has some potential on that end of the floor um, due to just the his general measurements, um, but I'm not horribly, you know, I'm high on his defensive potential right now because he's a rookie and most rookies aren't good defensively. Um, you know, not everyone Zion Williamson has this freakish ability. And Alfred Payton and Dennis Smith Jr. Um, don't really necessarily scream defense either, despite the fact that they can put up some numbers and they have a little bit of athleticism um, and, and can prove a little bit on the floor. So I think just as a collective and, you know, because of the, the defensive schemes uh, and the amount of sort of talent on the squad overall, I think the cohesion um, will have a factor too. So I'll probably go with the, the Brooklyn Nets, but uh, it is certainly a little bit closer. So as a Knicks fan, it's really hard for me to get invested in a lot of the players because they're on such short-term contracts. So when I think about who we have and who's going to be sticking around, when I think about R.J. Barrett, when I think about Mitchell Robinson, when I think about De at least Dennis Smith Jr. for now, I I'm happy to see that they're surrounded by names like Wayne Ellington and the Alfred Paytons, Taj Gibson particularly, who's been a pro's pro, been around the league, somebody who's from New York, so I think that really helps in terms of players dealing with the nightlife and what the city's like. I think he's going to be a real, of real value for Coach Fisdale and the younger guys. Uh, one name to look out for in terms of the Brooklyn Nets, and I know we haven't really talked, Nicholas Claxton from Georgia, the rookie, oh. second in SEC in blocks. I know that we don't have a lot of expectations. He's really young. Uh, a lot of people didn't expect him to get drafted where he got uh, picked, but I think his versatility is going to be, because he can play the four and the five, seems to be able to run the floor. He'll be a nice rim runner. Uh, I think Atkinson is going to find ways to give him some spot minutes and, I think he's somebody who's going to be a real asset to the club. 
Yeah, Kenny was really high on him after summer league. He showed off some nice versatility offensively, defensively. Just needs some development. I really like Nick Claxton. I like I'd like to see where he's gonna be at in like two years. But talking defense, like Jack mentioned, I think I'm gonna go with the Nets as a collective unit. And I think it's also just a perspective of a young team like the Knicks and a lot of players not knowing their future, guys are going to probably care about offense a little bit more. And it's going to just be a little bit harder to get some of these these younger players to play as a unit defensively. By the end of the season, they'll definitely improve. But early on, having these new pieces and a lot of young guys who haven't played NBA defense, it's going to be a struggle. So I'm going to go with the Nets here. And then who's going to have the better season overall? Uh, it's the Brooklyn Nets by a, a pretty clear margin. Um, the New York Knicks probably make some... You know, I think Vic's been making some good points about the fact that there's almost like a, a, a model for them in terms of their, their crosstown rivals, in terms of what to look towards, you know, building forward. You know, how many wins could this could the New York Knicks team get? You know, I reckon they could uh, push that 35-40 win mark depending on, you know, how Fisdale coached. I think that more than anyone, you know, I'm not as – I, I watch a lot of New York Knicks basketball uh, just because of the timing of, of when it's on in Australia – I think that David Fizdale is probably going to be the most important person in terms of how successful uh, the season of 2019-20 is for the New York Knicks. And um, I know he talked about coaching already, but uh, Fizdale is going to be integral to what uh, his team does. And, uh, and at the same time, so is Coach Kenny Howie can sort of you know, get Kyrie uh, on his side and they can sort of build a relationship as you know, Vic was talking about with like a guy like D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I think that the Nets clearly will have a, a, a better win margin, better win-loss record. Um, but the Knicks will certainly take a jump. It's just how high will that jump be? Yeah, the expectations are so totally different for the both clubs. Uh, the Nets are obviously where the Knicks want to be. The Nets have went through the grind. Atkinson, after four seasons, broke uh, five. After three seasons, finally broke 500. They made the playoffs. The Knicks are coming off their worst second, well, tied for worst uh, win-loss record in franchise history. Uh, Fisdale, obviously... Uh, we don't know how long he's going to be in that head coaching spot. Hopefully he gets more time. He's only here for one season. But in terms of what you see with Knox, Mitchell Robinson, Dennis Smith, uh, it's going to be really important to see them grow and see them have gains for, in, in order for Fizdale and company to keep their jobs. And on the net side of things, uh, this is the big step that everybody wanted. You finally got what you asked for. You got Kyrie, you got Kevin, and obviously we're not going to see Mr. Durant this season. But the addition of Kyrie Irving should be enough to push him further in the playoffs. Uh, how he meshes with the, the culture that the, Knicks, uh, the Nets have already set up, how he's able to fit with Karras and Spencer, it should be interesting. But I think they have the pieces to compete to be in the top of the Eastern Conference, most you definitely. Know, and just a lot of the young guys, I think, will take a jump, too, of guys we didn't mention, like Rodion's and uh, Torian Prince and things along those lines. And I honestly think that we might see KD this season. But even without KD, the Nets obviously have the edge here. We don't really need to talk about the next question either because the Nets would obviously win in a seven-game series. So we can get to who would be the top five players between these two teams, excluding Kevin Durant because he's injured. Yeah, the top five players would be uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Karis LeVert. Um, who else have we got? Uh, let me get the depth charts up. Um, you guys have a go. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I'm going to go with Kyrie number one. I'm going to go with Spencer Dinwiddie number two, Karis LeVert number three, Mitchell Robinson number four, and then Jared Allen number five. Uh, I'll probably concur with that list. So mine is slightly different. I have Kyrie number one, Karis Avert number two, Spencer Dumity number three, Julius Randle number four, and then 
a Jared Allen, Mitchell Robinson tie at number five. Mm, yes. Okay. Um, by the way, Joe Harris uh, is my number one. <laughs> <laughs> number one in your heart. Always, always. I think Randall, I mean, Robinson by the end of the season, I think will probably be their best player. But I think going to the season, Julius Randall is better than him. I think he's just going to provide more on the court defensively. He's not good, but he's the only Nick that can probably average 20 a night. Yeah, so, uh, he can average 20, 10, and 5. Like, he's a that's really, really good. He's a really good passer. Um, he has a lot to his offensive game, but, you know, his weaknesses, you know, on the defensive end and just in terms of, you know, being an effective player in terms of just adding to winning basketball, you know, take away from a lot of the good things that he does do in terms of, you know, all the things that were spoken about. Yeah, very reminiscent of me to Anthony Mason, which is fun because I feel like I'm having this Anthony Mason, uh, Patrick Ewing pairing with Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson is like 1994 all over again. But uh, like you guys said, Randle's somebody who's probably going to be out of the box, probably the best scorer they have. He's able to do on the perimeter. I love the way what he, I love what he's able to do in the open court as a four. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he has some defensive deficiencies, would kind of scare you, and I think scare teams off in terms of giving him long term contracts. But he's somebody who's going to be a major asset for Fizzell. And obviously, with a lot of these guys with the two-year contracts, you never really know how it's going to work out. Uh, sometimes you feel like it might incentivize them to come out and play more and, and increase their value. Sometimes you see players come out and they might seem a little defeated. I'm not sure what we're going to get from the Knicks, but I definitely think that Julius Randle is somebody who, in this climate with Fizzdale, he'll find a way to get his points and minutes, and he'll probably get a bigger contract next time around. That's what I think he's going for. I think he has a big chip on his shoulder, not getting the long-term deal this summer when he was hoping after not getting it the previous summer. I think he's the only Nick that they signed that's on a three-year deal and the third year is a player, a team option. So he's going to probably hope after that third or second year that he's able to cash out and get that four-year deal with a big money because he's seen good money, but he hasn't seen that big, big contract yet. And I think that's what he's going for. But any other topics or questions you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? No, nah, but I'm looking forward to the Nets and Knicks games next season probably more than any other because um, there's certainly going to be plenty of battles and, you know, the, the Knicks always seem to step up when it comes to, to versing their crosstown rivals despite the fact that, you know, the Nets are much more talented on paper, have much loftier aspirations. You know, the, the Knicks aren't going to make it easy for them. They've got a, a lot of guys who can play decent basketball and a good coach. Um, the wins aren't going to be easy against uh, the New York Knicks uh, as much as uh, they were even last season because, you know, they, they just step up. Enos Cantor puts up 20 and 10 nights in, you know, 18 minutes. Uh, so I think that there's going to be some battles, uh, a, a battle of the boroughs as uh, is always sort of highlighted. I, I hope that, this is cautious, being cautiously optimistic, I'm hoping that's what we see. Uh, when I see that lineup, when I think about Karis, Spencer, and Kyrie, uh, it gives me nightmares, and I know that with RJ coming into his first season, Dennis Smith coming, uh, trying to find his role now, now, now that he knows that he's indeed going to be in Nick this season, uh, there's going to be a lot of questions, but I think what you get with Fisdale and company is, is going to be some toughness. Uh, we're going to get some defense. We're going to see some open court basketball. Uh, if we're looking at it glass half full, uh, I'm expecting Dennis Smith Jr. to be a way better player, so that should be like a notch on the belt. Uh, Kevin Knox is somebody at his size is going to be able to give Fizdale some versatility defensively. In the very least, if he's put on the, the weight and at 6'9 with his length and his ability to run the floor, I think he's going to be able to be an asset. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson, we've talked about time and time again. Uh, I think he's one of the premier young big men in basketball. Uh, I think Bobby Portis is somebody who's going to surprise some people. 
I know people don't like these when you see all these names and they seem to be playing the fourth spot. Uh, the, the flexibility that you get with Portis, I think he's going to be that guy, that uh, key guy in the front court when you see that second unit. And then obviously in Alfred Payton, somebody who's been able to, who's been highly productive, not highly productive, but he's found ways to have success in the league. But he unfortunately just can't get away from that injury bug. So if he's able to be in that second unit with Lonzo Trier from Arizona, who was had a great year last year, wasn't a lot of expectations with him coming in, was able to shoot the heck out of the ball, put the ball on the floor. So they, they've got certain pieces. The expectations aren't particularly high. But I, for me right now, just like the Nets four years ago, I, what I want to see is just competing. Every night, I want us to have a set identity in terms of who we are. I, I hope that ownership uh, decides to invest in Fisdale. And this is something that we, can, as as fans, can expect to see going forward, whereas this Fisdale regime, as opposed to maybe, you know, after this season, if we don't like what we see from the young guys, we're going to go in a different direction. And whoever's the biggest name in the summer, we're going to find a way to bring them in. And we're going to do this complete about face that involves getting rid of Knox or Smith Jr. What I just wanted, some stability, some consistency, some vision. And that's all. Yeah. That's all basketball. And that's obviously been what's hurting the Knicks is it seems like every, you know, couple of years they just switch up what they're doing. Even if it was only half working, it's like, all right, let's fire the coach, change the whole system and bring in these flashy free agent names that don't necessarily work out when they, you know, they got Derrick Rose and stuff like that. So if they stay in this path and just let Fisdale develop these guys, if Fisdale's the right name, then I think it could work out. And then we could be talking about the Nets and Knicks competing in a playoff series in a couple of years, but obviously not this season. But Vic, great having you on for your first show on. Uh, Thanks OTV for having Network. me, guys. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure, sir. Jack, always a pleasure talking to you. And then, as always, thank everybody for listening. You can check out the show, obviously, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, YouTube, and NetsRepublic.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.